Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number 125 with our guest, Pablo Gonzalez. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Well, hello there. So good to have you joining us again for this episode. This is another, I don't know, I feel like saying the word intriguing episode for me. For one, it took place, it was recorded at Podcast Movement. Now, if you don't know, Podcast Movement is billed as the uh, podcast industry's largest event. And it was my first time going this past summer. And largest it was. There's literally a few thousand people with over a hundred speakers and that many exhibitors and just podcasters at every level of their craft from the icons and the, the known names of the industry all the way down to those just getting started, everywhere in between. And it was just something that I I just I, I just in, engaged and indulged in. It was wonderful. So what does that have to do with this episode? Well, there's a a really cool company called TalkShoe, and they are a um, an all-in-one podcasting platform. And they had a table set up right in the heart of all the activity at the event. And what they allowed is you can sign up for a time slot and they had a whole podcast area, a whole podcast production studio with mics and headphones and all that set up where you can record an episode with a guest right there using their equipment. And that's exactly what this episode is. As you'll hear in the first couple of minutes, my guest and I met the night before at at the um, in the lounge, in the bar, where a handful of podcasters were just trying to meet each other. And uh, I said, hey, I have a spot to record an episode. Uh, you want to be my guest? And it felt right, and it was right. Again, it's Pablo Gonzalez, and he's all about connection. His website is connectwithpablo.com, so he's got it right there in the title. Why is this so close to my heart? Because if you've been following me, you know that I spent my whole life 
feeling disconnected and removed from the world and those around me. Now, in retrospect, I understand how and why that came to be, but that was my reality. And Pablo can certainly relate because he bills himself as a human connection expert. And my goodness, just being around Pablo, you you get it. You feel connected. He's got an extraordinary story, uh, so much to give, so much to connect on. I'm going to leave it at that. I want you to dive right in to the episode. So again, this is the uh, live recording from my time at Podcast Movement with my guest, the human connection expert. Here is Pablo Gonzalez. Hey there. What is going on, everybody? It's Josh Carey, host of the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I don't know if you can hear, but there is a murmur, right? Isn't there a murmur in the room? Uh, I'm sitting here uh, as part of Podcast Movement 2019 in Orlando, and I'm, I'm sitting next to one of my one of my best new friends, I gotta say. It's, yes, thank you. Yes, it's Pablo Gonzalez uh, from ConnectWithPablo.com, and we met uh, day one, really day zero. It was the evening before. What's going on, Pablo? Good to have you here, Josh. I'm so happy to be here, man. I feel like we it's it, it was day negative one because it was the night before the day that there's like the orientation and the pre-party, right? Correct. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And, and and you were wearing a beautiful New Jersey t-shirt with your, your beacon of pride from your hometown. And I, that instantly attracted me to you. And since then I haven't stopped laughing because I think you're a funny, cool dude. You remembered. Oh, I remember. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's amazing. Like I said, we are in the, the lobby, the heart really of the event here. 3,000 people. I mean, there are photographers as we're speaking, shooting us at this talkshoe.com uh, recording station. Yeah, it'll make you feel important. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, there's just an ocean of people walking past an ocean of human connection. I'm like totally feeding off heaven. I love it, man. It's great. I'm so glad you brought brought up the the c word human connection uh let's let's go right into that i mean your brand is connect with pablo i personally love all things connection i'll give you my quick association to the word i grew up so much of my life feeling disconnected from people from the world around me i always wondered why don't people like me why don't people get me and understand me and i just felt isolated now, in retrospect, I realized because I was shutting off all things, you know, I showed up to every situation, um, you know, needy, desperate, seeking approval, just like me and nobody can get through, get in. Now I see the difference. You just show up as you knowing what needs to be done. And it's all about connection. That was one of my big goals when I came here is to get away from the mic and in front of people, connect with people. So let's start. Tell me, why is, what is connection to you? Why is it so important? What is it about? Yeah. I grew up, I'm the most American person in my family. I was born in Venezuela. We left when I was two years old. My brother and sister spoke English at the time, and I remember getting like made fun of for it even at that, at that young age. And then in Miami, I enrolled into the school where 
my first formative memory is walking into this room knowing I'm the only kid that doesn't speak English. And I have this surreal third party vision of little hunchback three-year-old Pablo walking in with a backpack and a lunchbox, looking left and right, wondering how am I going to connect with anybody? How am I going to be able to communicate here? Luckily, there was one kid in the room that spoke Spanish. He became my best friend forever. Jose Garrido, shout out to Jose Garrido. And that got me started. And at that age, you're this, this sponge. So within three months, I'm already in the winter recital dressed as a little leopard doing a speech on stage, this poem that my mom wrote in my baby album. And then a year later, as luck would have it, my family has moved. My, my dad's career took us to Spain. And at this point, I'm thinking that I speak English and I speak Spanish. And we enroll in this British Academy in Madrid. And I walk into that room feeling pretty confident, not feeling with that same feeling that I walked into the preschool in Miami. Unbeknownst to me, uh, British English and Spanish Spanish is a totally different dialogue. And I, again, you know, next big formative moment of my life is going home crying, talking about how I can't talk to anybody. And from there on out, it's given me this total outsider insider perspective to every situation I'm in where I walk in very genuinely curious of how I can connect with people and how I can feel like I belong. And it manifested pretty early. We living in Madrid, we used to fly back and forth to Venezuela and to Miami to see family. And I remember at around six or seven years old, one time I had to sit by myself on the plane for whatever reason. And I made friends with the old dude next to me. And, you know, eight hour flight later, I got a Toblerone bought for me. And this guy's talking to my parents about how do you raise this kid? And from there on out, I would always ask to sit by myself on every plane because I was just trying to get mine. Right? I, I, I realized that as a kid, I can make a relationship with an adult and adults have access to things that I don't have, which at the time was candy and money. And, and that set me off on this path of wanting to connect with people to see what I can get out of it. And then as, as life progressed, the scales tipped from understanding that connecting people to get mine is not as effective as connecting people to serve others. Hmm. And that's where I stand today. I, I, at, at some point I realized that I can't just be the young entertaining person in the room. You have to be the giver. You have to be the person that is, that is willing to be of service to others. And that's how you really build human relationships. And I've been on that tip ever since. Do you find that a lot of people are scared, even as adults today, in these situations, you know, we're at a big conference. I've heard uh, in the group leading up to this, there are people who are, you know, they, they uh, label themselves as introverts. So they feel, oh, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to connect. Do you feel that connection is a frightening thing to many? Why is that? I think everybody seeks connection. They are frightened by the vulnerability of reaching out for that connection. I think introverts and extroverts both seek connection equally. Introverts just get drained by a lot of people energy around them while extroverts feed off of it. I right now in the sea of people, I'm like Superman staring into the sun. Like I'm just like super energized. I'm really into it. Whenever I'm in conversation, I'm all in. But I know that introverts have a certain battery that needs to get charged after doing it for very, very long, but they still seek that connection. It's just a matter of how to manage that energy. The, the fear of it all comes from 
I believe, an insecurity of wondering how they can be of value in, in, in a scenario. So the more that you understand your own superpower, the more that you understand what you love doing, that you're really good at doing, and the more that you can connect to how you can serve others with that superpower, the easier it is to introduce yourself to somebody because you're always there to be able to be of service. What about a fear of rejection, right? If I approach you or you approach me and we just start having a dialogue and I might feel, well, this might go nowhere or you might not like me or appreciate me or there might not be anything here. And oh, how am I, how am I going to accept that? That's real. Yeah, right. The best way I can describe that is if that if you can if you can mark if you can connect the dots of knowing your value and how to be of service. First of all, in in events like this, any introduction you're already doing somebody a favor. Nobody nobody got out of bed here thinking I hope I don't meet somebody amazing that could change my life. So every time that you introduce yourself to somebody, you are possibly making that connection of who they're looking for allow them to not be the person standing alone awkwardly looking at their phone or pretending like they're checking email. Everybody here is afraid of rejection, but they're also afraid of looking douchey by not talking to anybody. So as long as you can provide somebody a community in events like conferences, in a networker, in most in most situations, you can be of service. And if you approach the relationship building aspect as a being of service aspect, I like to tell people that then you can look at it the way a Spartan goes to war, right? Like Spartans were trained to go to war and die in glory for Sparta. So if they go into war, they're not afraid of dying because if they do, then they get carried out on their shield of service, right? So if you're approaching your way that you're building relationships and you get into an awkward conversation and the a conversation dies and you feel stupid, whatever, for a quick second, man, as long as you can tell yourself, I was trying to be of service, you're, you're being carried out on your shield. So I think you have to be very in tune with your why of why you're connecting with people. And if you're approaching it, from a needy standpoint, from a, from a place of scarcity, then there's a really big fear of like, well, if I don't get anything out of this, then, then, then this was a waste of time and I look stupid. But if you're approaching it from a, I want to contribute and it doesn't go the right way, then at the end of the day, you're like, well, I tried helping that person, didn't work out, but I still feel pretty good about trying to help somebody. Is there a level of confidence that we need to have in order to feel connected because I in, in in my life growing up I had zero confidence and I was shutting everything off I didn't want to let anybody in so is that uh, a, a prerequisite on some level to have an air of confidence I think there's a fine line where confidence and self-awareness collide I think you definitely need to have a certain amount of self-awareness and with self-awareness comes confidence. I don't know. I, I, I think the, the chicken or the egg, know thyself, right? If you, if you know who you are and you're comfortable with who you are, then that ends up being confidence. So you don't have to be the most outwardly confident person, but you have to be comfortable in your own skin and understanding your own value. So yeah, that, that if, if not, then you're going to be coming at it from a position of scarcity like you just described earlier. Beyond what you've already shared with us growing up as a child, what was life like for you growing up into your, you know, uh, hitting five years old, 10 years old, teen years? I, I had a pretty, I've had a very fortunate life, Josh. I, I come from a quintessential, very 
connected intergenerational family where my mom's the oldest of six and I have 17 cousins and we're all friends and my brother and sister and I are all friends and my dad's always been my hero and my dad has been a professional since I'm the youngest by the time that I started getting of age to have a relationship where I remember as a person my dad was already a successful businessman so that perspective of growing up until I was nine years old in Spain and then moving to the yes the U.S. has always given me this somewhat well-rounded perspective that being said the hispanic culture is an interesting culture that i've had to adopt the things that i like and redefine the things that i'm that i'm more american north american with and that's been a process i went through my teenage years definitely my rebellious stage where i just wanted to reject everything then got into knowing who i am right i went through like 14 years old, I was a punk rock skateboarder. And then by 16, I was like a hip hop gangster wannabe. Right. So <laughs> and, and anything to piss off my parents right? Really? <laughs> or to, or, yeah. or, or to reject it. And then by senior year, I was very comfortable in my own skin off really? to college in college. I very immersed in purely American culture, right? I'll go to university of Florida, join a fraternity oh. for the first time. People are just like, well, your name is Pablo, but you don't look Mexican. I, I never realized, you know, that there was a delineation between those things. I'm not Mexican. I'm Venezuelan. Uh, <laughs> you don't look Mexican. You're like, I am not. Yes. Right. And yeah, there's a, there's an air of ignorance in our culture. Certainly. It's okay. There's an yeah. air, there's an air of ignorance in any culture, right? Go figure. Yeah. 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 And then, and then after graduating college, I moved to California and that's really when I had the, the space to figure out who am I? And who and where do I come from and how much of that stuff I want to carry with me and how much of that stuff I want to leave behind. And I've always been somebody that mm. tests the edges. I, I, I've ended up taking a pretty conventional route, but not because I haven't tested every edge, right? Like it's kind of like that scene in Jurassic Park where the raptors are fence testing, right? Like I've, I've tested everything. And then they said, oh, yeah, this is the, oh, yeah, it is better to be married and happy and, and in a healthy long long term relationship. Oh, yeah, it was good to work. Fortune 500 for a long time, refined my skills. Then I tried entrepreneurship. Then I got acquired. Then I went to a big company. And now I'm back doing this thing again in, in, in entrepreneurship. So I've always, I've never taken for granted any of the idioms of, or, or any of the things that I'm supposed to do culturally, because I've always been this very like well-blended, homogeneous mix of cultures. So I've been able to pick and choose who I am and where I come from and what I want to carry with me kind of thing. Let's talk about your older brother, if we can. Yeah. What was life like growing up with him first? It's interesting. So we are all four years apart. So my older brother is eight and a half years older than me. And my sister is four years older than me. So we were never like in school at the same time together. We never overlapped in friends. I was always at a major disadvantage in any kind of physical competition for the first 18 to 20 years of my life. And Having a brother that's that much older than me gives you enough distance that you are able to look at it, kind of understand the his successes and his failures and define, again, which path you want to follow and which path you don't want to follow that you've seen him take. So he always had a very much a – I always gave him credit for – and he took this credit too, right? Like being the trailblazer, being the guy that like blazed the path as the oldest in the family. When we were kid, when I was a kid, and he is, you know, I'm four and he's 12, and we're splitting a room. 
very, very different kind of connection than when he's in college hanging out with his friends and I'm just kind of going little kid in the background, totally different connection. As we became older, totally different connection, right? Like, Um, so, so that was very much a connection, but, I, but because of that, because I used him as a beacon, I also inevitably compared myself to him all the time. And some really good things came out of that. I've, I've, one of the things that I feel fortunate about is that I'm somebody that's been able to learn from somebody else's experiences more so than most people. I think most people can't learn unless it happens to them. And having this outsider perspective I've always had and having a brother that, that's that much older than me. That gives me the the distance that I can that I can really evaluate it that way has been a major asset in my life in in, in looking at those things. And uh, what what happened with your brother? Yeah, so my brother about seven years ago diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, uh, fought it for two years, passes away, and it really is one of those moments where. Number one, I've had this super blessed life where I really haven't had any problems that I didn't cause myself for like 30, 33 years. Mm. And I'm eternally grateful for it. It makes it very easy to be a super positive person when you have that upbringing, which I've always been and I, and I always lean into and everything like that. When this, you know, this struggle hit our family, it was the first time that we really had to pull together and go through something truly difficult. And you start to, you start to look at the world a different way. You start to think, Oh, if that person cut me off in traffic. Maybe they're not a jerk. Maybe their brother is sick. You, you start seeing, you know, you, you start seeing the world from a different perspective. I remember having conversations with my sister and when she's just like, I'm looking out around everybody. I'm like, how does nobody know that I'm going insane because my brother's dying kind of thing. Right. And it was a very major perspective shift. It brought us much closer together. My brother has always been, he's always considered himself a tragic hero because he really adopted that, that role of the trailblazer and the guy that, you know, will pay the sins for As my brother passes away, it came with all these very positive externalities, all these unintended consequences that that has affected our family in a very, very unique and positive way, which which sounds crazy to to say, but I think we're all conscious of it. We we've all recognized what his passing has meant to us coming closer together and putting real perspectives in our life, whether it's different things for different people of reconnecting with our Catholic faith to understanding certain really deep truths. And for me personally, I've been on this human connection kick my whole life. As I aged through my thirties in Miami, I got very involved in the community and I started really understanding the value of community but a really, really defining moment was at my brother's funeral. It was like 1,200 people standing room only in this really big cathedral in Miami, just like people out the door. And seeing that that true value of community come together was an unbelievable moment. And then the outpouring of people that reached out to me after that has created this 
really deep, meaningful relationships that I now have as a result from that. And everybody that reached out to me to a T said, man, I'm sorry about your brother. You know, I know we don't know each other that well. I just want to say your brother's been this guy that has always brought people together, has always made it pleasant to be in a room because he's a, he's a connector and all these things. And by the, by the like 15th person that tells me this, it really hits me very deeply that I never gave him credit for that. Yeah, I was going to ask you, did you know prior the impact that he had on thousands of people? Or was it just in real time? You're like, my goodness, I, I see what he's done, how he's done it for all these people. Absolute real time. Like it was just a moment where I see this, I see this huge funeral crowd and I'm like, wow, I cannot believe he's touched this many lives that would show. And it's him and my family and like sure. the parish and all of our communities coming together. I'm just like, I, I didn't understand the impact that everything that we've all done forever has, has, it really is one of these like culmination transcending points. And then when his friends start reaching out to me and people that knew him and people that worked with him and keep giving me this message, I realized that my whole life I've been the gregarious connector in my head. And while there's a lot of things that I love and respected about my brother, I was just completely blind to his effect on people in this, in this area. And it immediately gave me this what else have I been missing in people moments? And I immediately think of, you know, everybody has, everybody has that one uncle that he's like, Oh, that's the crazy kind of loser uncle. I'm like, what, what do I, what do I, what am I missing about him? And then I'm like, what am I missing about this other person that I don't really look up to that much? And what am I, you know, so extrapolate it. And if I can, if I can, if I can miss such a, like a deep impactful thing and someone so close to me that I admire so much, what is everybody else missing in the people that they meet and the people that they're judging and the people that they haven't forgiven for whatever? There's something so profound, Pablo, about what you're bringing up, that there is good in everyone. And we almost by default have trained ourselves to almost look for, okay, where is, where is the bad? Where is the negative? What do I need to protect against Right. It's almost like a survival thing. You don't some people feel like they don't want to approach situations or give people the benefit, probably to your detriment if you do that too often, too much. So you're saying that, my goodness, you have to go into every or most situations just seeing the good in people. Looking for the good in people. And and you know, it may be good or it may be something, whatever it is. You and I, Josh, like I, I instantly connected with you because you're, you're a great conversationalist and you got this great smile and, you know, you, Thank you. you're fun to hang around with. But every single person that you see walking in this hallway, every person you've ever met has led a uniquely different path of experiences that is completely different from you, from anybody next to them. And within all of that, each person has thought about or practiced or learned about or refined some kind of skill or some kind of thought process, or there's something that everybody that you meet has figured out that you haven't figured out. And there's this quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson that is, every man I meet is somehow my superior, and in that I can learn from him. Mm. 
And if you take that quote and, and put that context in mind, why not be curious, right? Instead of instead of spending whatever you've done over a hundred podcasts and you know you're 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 killing it, right? So I can either go and do a hundred podcasts and take the time to do all that. Or me and you can have a conversation about lessons learned and the things that you've learned from that. And then I start off as a head start. and you can approach every single relationship that you, that you encounter as what is that little nugget of wisdom that I can learn from this person that can improve my life and be very cognizant of your own nuggets of wisdom that you can then give to others as well. I've met people here, you know, thousands of the who's who, right, on, on every level of our industry here. Uh, and uh, I, I just made a post, actually. Uh, I got to take selfies with a, a handful of the quote-unquote icons of our industry, those who have trailed the blaze or blazed the trail. And um, I, I made it a point in my post when I posted the pic of these people not of the angle, oh my God, look who I met, right? Nobody should be put on a pedestal. There's something to be said. We're all people, right? We're all human beings really here for the same reason. And by here, I mean in this physical existence, certainly at Podcast Movement, but bigger. We're all here just trying to do our best. And I made it a point when I shared these selfies of these people who I have quote unquote looked up to, but I only use that for context because we shouldn't really look up to anyone, right? We're all just doing the same. We can learn from those who are a step or two ahead of us, but put yourself on the same level as those you see who are inspiring, those doing what you want to be doing, because we are in fact mirrors of each other, right? And going back to what you said, if we're frustrated or annoyed or put off by something somebody's doing or potentially doing, it's a flaw that we see in ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And you bring up something, you said something that I want to key in on. I firmly believe, and I learned this from Brene Brown, but I, I firmly believe that everybody is doing the best they can with what they got. Go for it. Go ahead. And if you give people that license, then you're able to eat the meat and spit out the bone, man. You're able, you're able to forgive them for nobody's perfect. Yes, maybe this guy sounds abrasive or he said something, you know, obtuse. But at the end of the day, he's had some, he or she has had some kind of experiences that have led them to that thing. But that doesn't mean that everything that they say and everything that they do and everything that they believe is is wrong or obtuse. And there's there's something that you can find in it. And and they're not and they don't wish ill upon you, right? They're just like you said, they're they're just doing their best. Uh, I have a um, I have a a question that I I asked myself recently that sort of frame everything, and I want to tie it into you and certainly maybe connect it to your brother. The question I ask myself and of my clients, the people I work with, to help frame your actions and decisions and goals, how would you like to be remembered? And I see that as once you can really answer that ultimate question for yourself, things truly get easier because now you can make sure that every action, every choice, every decision is tied into that end 
right? And then you almost don't have to justify or apologize or ask for permission for anything you do because nobody, nobody has to know your reason. It's your reason. A couple of things come to mind when you say that. I walked away from this toxic partnership that I was in at the end of last year, successful business venture, but I was able to walk away from, from the partnership. And one of the best things that I did was take a 90 day detox, like take a 90 day purposeful pause where all I thought about was what my mission in life is going to be and then reverse engineer that mission. So being able to do that has, first of all, brought, brought this mission of I'm on this mission to prove that community creation is the future of business development. It's very clear to me that this is the future and the best companies in the world are doing some of this and some of them are doing them great. Some of them aren't doing, aren't doing so well, but it's there to be had. And the more I lean into it, I've essentially created a business for myself where my role, all I'm doing of connecting with people is my favorite thing to do that I do really, really well. So I've built a life around what, I love doing. And that's really, really important. And it gives me the license when I'm meeting people here at the podcast movement, they're like, oh, what do you do? You know, it's like, oh, I'm a business development marketing consultant. But I'm just like, <laughs> I'm on a mission to prove that community creation is a future business development. And it, and it leads you, you know, being able to have that lofty goal and lofty thing that you're going for allows people to then fit into that narrative however they want. And it allows you to be yourself however you want and just really, really commit to it. And the other thing that just really hit me like a ton of like I right now, when you ask that question and we're having it in the scope of uh, I haven't had this conversation about my brother with many people. You're the first person trying to deconstruct it. The first two times I had this conversation where it was just like, oh, wow, that's deep. That, you know, hug my mom, you know, my wife and my sister are the people I've had this conversation with. Mm. <laughs> as much as I've tried to differentiate myself from my brother my whole life. Now my mission is to be remembered exactly how I'm remembering him. You know, this guy that drives community and this guy that has this impact on people and is remembered as a somebody that brings people together and is able to, you know, have that many people show up for your funeral and have that kind of outpouring of support for his family when it happens and, and all these things. What's amazing is from the stories you've told us all, all throughout this interview, from growing up you know, as a, as a young child, you've always been on this path. It's not even something that you took on with that circumstance affecting you in your life. You've always been guided to this. Amazing, huh? Yeah, it's incredible, man. And even, even my, you know, I, I manifested this business out of nowhere, starting from zero and just figuring out who I want to be in 90 days to now I have a pretty high profile client and things are going well. And even the way I landed this high profile client shows that this has been my path forever, right? Like this, this guy got introduced to me, friend of a friend from a guy that I'm friends with that I've kept up with from college for 20 years that really none of my other friends have kept up with, but because I've always been this connection person and I've always just kept in contact with everybody and I nurture my relationships and I reach out to people and I find that unique, wonderful thing in everybody that makes me want to do that has led to this like intro to somebody that would have never had access to that has now created this like home run for me in my business. Before we part ways, I want to touch upon the topic of fear. Uh, my brand, The Hidden Entrepreneur, was founded on the premise that I spent decades of my life showing up in every situation, 
hiding behind fear, using that as an excuse not to do everything that I knew darn well I was capable of doing and should be doing. And that caused a lot of internal struggle, anger, frustration, jealousy, right? Which is where it comes from, the negative emotion of that. You see other people doing what you want to be doing and you just get you, you just get enraged and jealous, ugly emotion, because oh how and, and then you make all these oh, who do they think they are doing that? Why are they why do they get to do it? Well, you get to do it. Anybody gets to do it, just do it. So I want to hear about how a time in your life, one moment that comes to mind for you when you were enveloped by fear, but you knew you had to work through it. Every every moment for the last six months of this year, right? I, I first of all, my fear comes from a self-worth angle. I always grew up thinking, man, if Ted Kaczynski would have had my family, he would have been Bill Gates, not the Unabomber, you know? So I've always strived to prove that I deserved the upbringing and the family that's been given to me. And within all that, I thought that was a real noble saying, but within all that, I realized that what came from it is just this this fear that I don't deserve this, this fear that I'm not worthy of this, and this fear that everything that's been given to me, I have squandered, and I should be so much more ahead in my life. When I left my career in construction to take this venture in software that ended up not really working out long term, was that really pinnacle moment where I said to myself, I know that I'm comfortable in construction. I know that I left a I left a big promotion on the table with another company to be their head of business development. And I decided to go do this risky thing because I wanted to get out there on a limb, be completely naked, be forced to show up every single day in this startup with a mercurial partner that one day loves everything you're doing, one day hates it. And I knew that I was going to really, really, really be tested. And that was the first stepping into the fear and showing up. It was the first time that my dad sat me down. He's like, hey, man, I don't agree with what you're about to do. I think it's a stupid move. And I still did it, right? Like he's not the first time he's ever told me that. It's just the first time that I was like, well, I'm still going to do it because I was just at, I was 37 years old. I realized I'm at this plateau in my career. I didn't want to subscribe to the fear that if I walked away from something, I could never come back to it because I don't think that that's true. And I went for it. And it ended up, I went for it knowing that my worst case scenario was like, listen, I feel like I'm going, I feel like I'm going cave diving, right? Like those scuba divers that go cave diving, they go down past their half their tank and then they know they got to figure out another way out. I knew that I was jumping into that and I knew that there was a chance that this thing wasn't going to work out, but it was going to set me on the path I needed to. And I really needed to lean into that. So then at the end of the year, when it was clear that long-term, this wasn't the solution, that was another moment where I had to step into the fear, walk away from it, understand that I was giving up whatever salary I had on the table, whatever equity I, I stood to gain in this company, and understand that I could, once again, eat the meat and spit out the bone. I could take this universal truth that I had proved this concept, right? In, in construction, I had proved the concept of using a community for business development. I had now proven this concept in a software as a service product in business development. I had proven that I can show up every single day. And now it's time to really figure out what I'm going to do with it. Because 
you know what, man, I'm only 38. Like I know it sounds to some people think that they're 38 and their life's almost over. I don't think I'm even halfway into what I've done. Like, I think, I, I think this is just the beginning and I can always go back to comfort if I really, really need to. So those first 90 days of that purposeful pause were very, very anxious, right? Like in, in Western culture, you're taught that action is power and moving towards something actively always is what you need to do to be a powerful male in Western culture. In Eastern culture, the greatest show of force is in action. Wow. We got to wrap this up in 30 or 60 seconds. Help us in your own words, wrap up what, not only what, what have we been saying today and what is the next thing that somebody listening should do, should put into action? You know, I like to say that the human being is a quintessential social animal. We're at the top of the food chain, not because we have big teeth or like we're fast or we're strong or thick skin or we can breathe underwater. We're at the top of the food chain because at some point four cavemen were like, if we work together, we can take down a woolly mammoth. And, and that got us there. And then at some point, a bunch of Romans were like, man, we do these aqueducts, then we can all densify in cities. And at some point, somebody was just like, we can put this one dude on the moon if we get all these intelligent people to work together. Right. So the the key to what i'm trying to what i'm trying to promote out there is that you need to find value in other people because if you're trying to do something excellent if you're trying to do something great it's going to require you being able to find value in others put it to work with each other and achieve one big goal so that you can accomplish something excellent so work on your ability to communicate work on your ability to see your worth and see worth in other people and it, the more that you do that the more successful and the happier you will be. My goodness, Pablo Gonzalez, I have no problem saying this. You are a beautiful man. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Thanks, kindly. man. I really appreciate it. This has been incredible. Live from Podcast Movement 2019, compliments of TalkShoe.com at their studio in the lobby here uh, in Orlando. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for uh, for joining us and being the guest. Thank you for the opportunity, man. I love getting to know you, man. I'm pumped to be friends for a long time, my friend. I appreciate it. And I appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll do it again real soon. Until we do, go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.